Hey, it's time for Mac Geek Gab and listener Rawl605 from our Discord channel brings us our quick tip of the week with the ability to take a full page screenshot of a web page with your iPhone. So first thing is you go to the web page you would like to capture. That seems like a good place to start. Scroll the full length of the page. You need to do this or the capture doesn't get everything. So you scroll all the way to the bottom. Then click the screenshot thumbnail. You take the screenshot. Sorry, I skipped step three. Uh, so you scroll the full length of the web page. You take the screenshot with the little screenshot, you know, squeezing of the uh, things of the buttons on your phone. Then you click the screenshot thumbnail in the bottom left corner. The one that appears in the screenshot little app. Uh, switch from screen to full page, which is located at the top center of the screen. Then click done. Then save the PDF uh, to your files. Select the folder where you want to save it. And now you should have a full length PDF of the web page. So again, scroll the full length of the web page, take the screenshot, click the little screenshot thumbnail. And then in that blown up thumbnail, switch from screen to full page which is in the top center that's the key then click done save the pdf to your files and uh and you are good to go more tips like this plus your questions answered today on mac geek 976 for monday april 10th 2023 <laughs> Welcome to Mac Geek Gab, the show where we share tips like that one. We share cool stuff found. Sometimes we share your questions. We try to answer your questions. Sometimes we share tips, cool stuff found, and even questions of our own that we try to answer together as a community. The goal is every single one of us learns at least five new things every time we get together. Sponsors for this episode include ZocDoc.com slash MGG. That's where you can go to sign up for free. This is the easiest way to find a great doctor that you can instantly book an appointment with. Collide.com slash MGG. That's Collide with a K and only one L. K-O-L-I-D-E.com slash MGG. Zero Trust, tailor-made for Okta. We'll talk more about them in a few minutes here in detail. For now... Here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in Fairfield, Connecticut, this is John F. Braun. Oh, and Pilot Pete muted himself. I love it. I wasn't even I did, my because fault. The, ah, and here in Paris is Pilot Pete, and I muted myself because there was a French police oh. honk, honk. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. siren and i didn't think you wanted that over your intro so greetings everybody recorded live in front of a live at home audience from <laughs> paris is pilot pete thanks for having me actually good to be back yeah you, you you don't have to be at home to listen to the live stream you just can't be here that's all <laughs> right yeah right. Well, you could be, but Dave doesn't have an extra mic today. So. Uh, actually, I do. I have an extra mic oh, set up well, right then. over there. It's like it's been in permanent. Yeah, it's it's. So it's, everybody meet at Dave's next week. <laughs> this will be fun. This will be fun. <laughs> yep. It could happen. It could. It might happen. Thanks for that, Pete. I appreciate it. Yeah. Glad to help. Yeah. This Dave's address is. <laughs> we'll do a, uh, you know, it's really not that hard to find. I mean, you know what town I live in. So, right. uh, yeah. Uh, should we do like a, a, a an outs, an outdoor recording maybe on the patio this summer? Mm -hmm. 
Oh, that would be fun. Right? And and we could have a live little audience. I mean, there's quite a few people that live, you know, local to us here, Pete. We could um, yeah. host them. And if I ever get my airplane working, we can go to John's and do it at John's. Do the same thing. Yeah, we get some yeah. pizzas and, and, and beer or whatever. And, you know, people can hang on the patio by the fire pit. And uh, I don't know. Mac, yeah. Mac Stock East. Mac Stock East. <laughs> yeah, something like that. We will be at Mac Stock this year, by the way. We did not mention that in the last episode, although we could have. Uh I don't think we mentioned it, John, did we? But we are doing uh, MacStock happening in July of this year. I think it's MacStockConferenceAndExpo.com or something of the sort. But uh, we will be doing a uh, live Mac Geek Gab with a, with a Stump the Geek thing, because that's what we love to do when we do it live. Uh, on Saturday afternoon, it's like the final session of Saturday afternoon, which is the first full day of MacStock. And then uh, I I believe uh, certainly I am speaking at MacStock uh, by request from several of you. Uh, we are, but but one in particular, uh, we are. I am doing a a how to Synology session. Uh, I think earlier in the day on Saturday too. So and John, I I I hear tell that you are you are brewing up an idea to present to speak. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> very nice. Very nice. Pilot Pete. Hopefully your schedule allows you to make it live. Yeah, do that. I have to coordinate with kids at camp and kids coming home from college and, you know, all the life, life, life. happens, but I would love to make it. Yeah. Yeah. Max stock is fun. Uh, I haven't made it every year. I think John, you've made it almost every year, right? You've made almost. it more than I have. Yeah. Almost every. Yes. Yeah. 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 So if, uh, if you're into that, we will see you there for sure. Back to the, or yeah, back to the quick tips. Edward has a, uh, he sort of um, solved his own problem. He says, uh, there is the option where we don't need a password to unlock our Macs if we are wearing our Apple watches. When I got a new watch earlier this year, though, that stopped working. I tried repairing the watch. I tried turning off uh, the option, uh, you know, in, in system settings to turn on and off the option of waking up the Mac with the watch several times. Uh, I rebooted while turning off. Nothing would work. Settings, touch ID, password, Apple watch, nothing. He says, today I stumbled on the solution. I booted my Mac into safe mode for a completely different reason. And when I came back into regular mode, now magically the watch unlock is working again. I like this. Um, there, the safe mode does a lot of things on that, uh, on that boot up. And, and one of them is sort of cleaning through your caches and doing some maintenance of your Mac. Uh, seems like maybe one of those caches uh, might have been the, uh, might've been the trick. So, yeah. So you pre-answered my question, which was something to the effect of it. It's kind of like, Running Onyx without running Onyx. <laughs> he even said he, he sent us a follow up email, Pete, that said he couldn't even run Onyx until after he did the safe mode reboot. And I, I, wow. I need to dig into that. But that seemed really strange. So, yeah, there was something yeah. quite, quite amok with his Mac and safe mode remedied uh, lots of it. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a pretty good, um, pretty good little quick tip. Uh, for booting into safe mode, it depends on what type of Mac you uh, 
Whether you're silicone or uh, what's that? Mac silicone or yeah, if it's you're Apple Mac silicone, silicone or, right, or, uh, right, right, right. Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, and, and you start in uh, safe mode. If you have an Apple Silicon chip, you shut down your Mac and then press and hold the power button on your Mac until loading startup options appears. You select the volume that you want to boot, then press and hold the shift key and can and click continue in safe mode. And if you have an Intel based Mac, all you have to do is like turn it on or restart your Mac. And as soon as you hear the chime or even before, hold down the uh, the shift key until you see the login window. And that's the point at which you can release it. So but uh, but we put a, a link in the show notes at MacGeekGab.com or MGG.FM slash 976 where you can get right to Apple's instructions on how to do that. So, so there you go. That's uh, that's Edward. Thanks for sharing that with yeah. us, man. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. John. And uh, Scott's is going to share something with us that I thought was amazing when it happened. Um, maybe everyone knows this. No, we don't, <laughs> but I stumbled on it accidentally. When I went to long press the home button on my Apple TV remote, I accidentally double pressed it. Lo and behold, the apps come up in the cover flow format, a la iTunes, and you can swipe left or right to shuffle through them. Not all that useful, granted, but it surprised me. So there is a utility yep. to this. Uh, number one is it's a way to switch apps. But number mm -hmm. two, and perhaps cert certainly the reason I do this more often than not is to force quit an app just like on oh, your iPhone. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. When, when you're, when you, you know, on your iPhone, you get into that same sort of cover flow app switcher mode. And if you swipe up, it will force quit that app. And then the next time you launch it, it launches from scratch and not just from, you know, the preserved state. The same happens on your Apple TV. You swipe around, you get to the app you want. And then on the, the trackpad, just swipe up and you'll see the app do the same thing it does on the iPhone. It goes up. And it has now forced quit. And I, I've certainly found it. There are occasionally third-party apps that I'll run, like like Plex. It rarely, but it has happened where it gets itself into a mode where the back button brings me back out to the home screen of the Apple TV, but I can't get out of where I want to be in Plex, like to 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 a higher menu of Plex. So force quitting it and coming back in. Like I said, it doesn't happen often, but those are the scenarios where force quitting an app really kind of makes a difference. Yeah. I'm going to have to try this. I've I've had issues with the CW app. Okay. Where if I try to go to a button to navigate within their app, it it doesn't go. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It bounces back to where it used to be. Yeah. So the way I solved it before was to restart the Apple TV, but this may be a better way. <laughs> a faster solution, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. Thanks, Scott. That's great. Ben shares a quick tip. Uh, actually, yeah, I think uh, it says um, normally when you're using Migration Assistant on your Mac, it only shows the number of files transferred so far. Well, if you move, if you mouse over the progress bar you'll, and hold, you will see a tooltip showing the number of files transferred and the total to transfer so you get an idea of how many more files there are to transfer. I don't think I ever tried that. So thank you for that, Ben. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fun stuff. Fun stuff. Um, 
Stephen brings us our next quick tip. Uh, he says, uh, since I believe mid iOS 14 or iPad OS 14, uh, you can use a USB-C hub or dongle uh, to plug in an external hard drive, use an HDMI monitor via the HDMI port, plug uh, it, uh, uh, oh, essentially what he's saying is you can plug your, your iPad has a USB-C port on it. That port is not just for charging. You can plug directly into a hard drive, but you can also plug it into a hub or a dongle to plug into many things at once. And that includes the ports that are on the dongle. So you can use it for HDMI. You can use it uh, for, you know, connecting a, uh, if you've got a SATA reader in there, it, you know, that'll work. If you've got a memory card, that'll work. Uh, of course, you can use the USB-A ports on it to plug in to other devices. I've actually used that to plug into an external microphone from my iPad. Like all of that works. And uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. so I've uh, I've done Ethernet. Oh, right. I was like, huh. You know, I have an anchor dock thingy. Yep. And I was like, wow, I wonder if Ethernet will work on the iPad. And sure enough, uh, you plug in the dock and you plug in Ethernet and all of a sudden... In settings, Ethernet appears. Uh, amazing. I, yeah. Oh, so you actually see the setting, uh, the the Ethernet. Um, mm -hmm. Huh. Fascinating. Well, yeah, it's all the same now. With yeah, that's, but that, yeah. oh, I didn't, okay, so I didn't realize that it, because I've never tried this, I didn't realize that it, it actually, like, added something to system preferences there. It, may, it makes yeah. sense. Of course it does, right? Like, uh Fascinating, fascinating. Makes it tempting to get an iPad Pro and take that as my road machine. But yeah. but I really do like Yeah. I, <laughs> I really do like my MacBook Pro and, and uh what I'm gonna miss is they've gotten rid of the touch bar. I like the touch bar. I know some people hate it. I've gotten I, used to it. Interesting. So you you're the the pro that you travel with Pete has a a touch bar on it still? Yes, it's a 2021 or 2020. I think it's a 21 yeah. MacBook Pro uh M1 with with the touch bar, 13 right, right. inch. Yeah, yeah. Uh the the thing I don't like about it is the uh two USB-C ports whether I need them or not. <laughs> which makes me want to go to the to the 16 inch and get all the ports back. Oh, yeah. But, you know. Yeah, I mean, well, so let, let's let's talk about that because I, okay. I've only well, because of hubs. Yeah, well, I've I've for um, other than a very short period of time, I've only ever had USB C based laptops with two ports. I've I've only ever had MacBooks Air. Right, I did buy that MacBook Pro, the 14 inch, when it came out uh, with the was it the M2 or the M1 Pro, whatever it was. I didn't like. Yeah. I didn't like it because it was too chunky for me for the way I like okay. to use it. And so I gave that to Lucas, my son. And, and I, I, I went back to my MacBook air. And so when I travel, I absolutely travel with a, you know, a, a, a dongle, right. Which right. by the way, if you moved to the iPad, as we just talked about, you would also have to use the dongle. So, sure. uh, so I'm just, I'm curious how you, like, what would you use? How would you use it such that the extra ports would truly make a difference? And, and I'm, I'm re really actually yeah, sure. curious. About so, this. The, so first of all, the the on the 16, I believe it has an HDMI port, which is nice. 
right? Oh, on the pro, I, sure. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Now that being said, uh, right, my setup right now is I, I have a hub in there because uh, the the stream deck I plug directly into the machine. Uh, when I've tried to plug it into the hub, um, well, in fact, I can't plug it into the hub because the little hub that I have only has one USB C input, and that's for power. Right. So I'm powered oh, in, and it's got three USB A's yeah, 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 yeah. and an HDMI and an SD reader and that sort of thing. Right. But but I actually bring that along. It's the one with the little cord on it, so that uh, so that it doesn't destroy my ports. Yep. <laughs> you know the ones that that have two that plug directly into the side of the machine. You'll wind up uh, eventually in elongating those ports. Yeah. yeah I don't want to do that. Yeah. Good. I'm not into that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, so I have the little hub. It has three SBAs, and that works out well. The power goes in, and then out of that, uh, I actually use a USB A to C adapter okay. into the microphone cable, which goes into the microphone I'm using. And that, that actually works as long as I set it up first. If I set it up after I've powered on the machine, it doesn't work. <laughs> the microphone doesn't work. Weirdly, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I, and then I just I power the camera. I use my iPhone um, camera, okay, and and so I plugged. Ooh, looking at it now, sure. I unplugged it during the pre-show to show everybody out the window, and I didn't plug it back in. So I'll do that on mute here in a minute. But All right, yeah, I, yeah. I yeah. run a I run a power cord to that, and and really that's it. Those are the two two things coming out of it. But only one goes into the power and the computer. The other one is the Elgato Stream Deck, which goes directly into the computer for. Okay, I think but, that's for but, speed use. But like, if you had the extra port or two, because the like the um, the fourteen inch MacBook Pro right now has three USB C slash Thunderbolt ports, and and then like you said, an HDMI and the SDXC. Yeah. But, but one is on the other side, so right, like th- right. Th- there is the benefit of that. But short of having the extra one on the other side, like I just haven't found myself in a scenario where it, where I would need that. But maybe it's just because I've engineered my my travel kit to to mitigate that. Yeah, and, you know, and I'll say I have now because I only have two ports. I had to figure out a way around it, and and the dongle hub works yeah. works great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, lasts a long time. But the uh, my other hesitation, like I say, to going to the new MacBook M2 MacBook Pros is the touch bar. I'm going to miss it. Yeah. I like, no, I get, I get it. Yeah. I can quickly adjust the brightness and the volume. And, and I heard someone describe on another show, uh, somewhere not long ago that you have to hit the little arrow and then select the volume and, and tap it. No, you don't. You just hit the volume and slide it. The whole hold and slide. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 Slide. It works great. Volume, brightness, all that stuff. I, I don't, I don't, I, I, I mean, I, I can't speak for everything. It's person. what works into your workflow, but, right? But once you, yeah, once it, you adapt it, it's. I haven't heard of people who hate the touch bar as much as people who complain that it's it doesn't have much utility, and therefore is a waste of space on the keyboard. But better touch tool fixes that. There you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, golden chaos makes it very useful. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, it, Golden Chaos makes better touch tool or no? No, it it's a it it's an add-on. Oh, okay, all right. I mean, doesn't it's, Golden Chaos makes a lot of things, right? Or is oh, I don't know. I thought uh, they call it Golden Chaos BTT. Um, because I think Golden Chaos has made <laughs> other things over the years, uh, but uh, but we'll put a uh, we'll put a link to Golden Chaos BTT for sure in the. Uh, 
in the show notes because that mm-hmm. looks interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. And and that that just gives you more um flexibility with what you can more control over what you can do with it. Is that uh it yeah, it gives you more options than Apple does. Interesting. Apple uh, uh, the the icons that Apple offers are kind of minimal. <clears throat> but with um with Golden Chaos you get you know, the weather and all, all sorts of useful things. The other thing is about Apple, though, is it is contextual. For instance, right now, mm-hmm. I, I have Chrome in the forefront, and there are buttons there to control Chrome. If I switch to messages, there are, you know, I get right. emoticons and that sort of thing. So, it, but I think the thing is, I, I, vast majority of us probably don't look at our keyboard while, whilst we're using it, so to speak. Um, stay, on stay on your mic, stay on your mic, Pete. I'm oh, sorry. To uh, the, we aren't looking at our keyboard as we're using it for the most part. I mean, occasionally we'll go, okay, I'm off by a, a key or two, but you aren't looking at the touch bar to go, what options are available to me there now to right. quickly go to. Right. But if you know that as you change programs, you change icons on the touch tool, on the touch bar. Yeah. All right. So it's like any tool. If you don't learn its capabilities and, and experiment and make mistakes right. and all that, you're never going to incorporate it into your workflow. Right. Yeah. Get it into your workflow. Once it's in your workflow, then you don't like, want I'll it to leave it when it's gone. Yeah. yeah. When like, it's gone, I'm going to miss it. I know that. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Cool. All right. Yeah. Thank you for, for humoring me on those. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, all right. Great. Um, John, we got a couple more quick tips. Yeah. Uh, yep. Uh, so we got one here from Joe. Uh, and Joe says, I am a classical music lover and was excited when Apple finally released the Apple Music Classical app. However, I was bummed to see the app doesn't yet appear on the CarPlay menu. Of course, you can add your classical playlist and albums to the standard Apple Music app and play that in your car, but that's a big bit of a kludge, uh, which also shows that the classical app is in many ways simply a filter on the Apple Music database and is totally dependent on it. By pure coincidence, I discovered that you can use Apple Music Classical with CarPlay. Um, When you've engaged CarPlay, simply hit play on the Apple Music Classical app on your phone and it will play in your car. Then launch the now playing app in CarPlay and it will display what is playing in the classical app. You can switch tracks pause, etc. But if you want to play a different album, you have to switch to it on your phone. Weird. I assume Apple will add the classical app to CarPlay soon, but this is an interim solution. I hope it helps two or three other classical music lovers out there. That's a good hack. I, I like, and that's a, there's a general tip here too. If you're playing audio from any app that, that doesn't yet support CarPlay, you get it started on your phone and then use the now playing app to give you control over, over, you know, what's playing as much as it can. And guess where else it works really, really well. What's that P your watch, the now playing app on your watch. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because I found like I use uh, overcast all the time for listening to the podcast. Sure. If I, if I, on my watch, turn the volume down. For some reason, I can't seem to turn it back up. If I switch to now playing, I can turn the volume back up. Doesn't make sense. Shouldn't happen that way. Right. I, I agree. I, yes. <laughs> the defense stipulates. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Huh. Huh. 
So, so yeah, now playing is fabulous on the watch and CarPlay both. I like it. Interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Overcast does have a fantastic CarPlay in- integration as well. Like yes, it, it is, does. it is fully yes, native for CarPlay, and, and it's good on the watch ninety nine percent of the time, unless you accidentally turn the volume all the way down. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Just saying. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can see. At least on my watch. Right. Yeah, I'll have to test that on my watch. I I haven't been wearing my Apple Watch during the day as much. Uh, I've been, uh, well, I've been enjoying wearing my mechanical watches again because I really miss those. I Like, starting in about June or July of last year, I basically was wearing my Apple Watch every day. And... Uh, I, I think a, it's sort of, it was, I wanted to track the amount of calories I was burning. Cause I was trying to figure out, like I said, I was trying yeah. to figure out how to retrain myself on portion sizes of meals and all that. So that's sort of, that's, that was the catalyst to being, okay, well, if I, if I know how many calories I burn during a day versus how many I consume, I can start to re-engineer these, these portion sizes. And obviously it worked, you know, uh, it was great. Lost like almost 40 pounds or something. And, um, even though weight loss wasn't the goal, it was, like I said, it was a failed experiment. I was hoping to not develop more lipomas. That doesn't work. But anyway, <laughs> it doesn't hurt to lose 40 pounds and get my BMI to where it should be. Um, there you go. Yeah. And then, of course, I had to relearn portion sizes starting in about November because um, I didn't want to keep losing weight. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> uh, just in the last couple of weeks, I've been wearing my mechanical watches because I missed them. I, I, you know, I like I like the 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 non-battery technology that is there. It's, it's, and it, there's a lot of technology in these things. It just doesn't rely on a battery, but I have been wearing my Apple watch at night tracking my sleep. And that's been really interesting. And I know that I could like the battery, it doesn't burn very much battery at night. Like I could easily no. wear it at night and during the day and just charge, you know, in it, at the right strategic times. Like when I'm in the hot tub, it's a perfect time to charge my Apple watch. But, uh, but yeah, it's been fascinating tracking sleep with it. It's I do know, like insightful. the feature where it'll say, "Oh, by the way, uh, I'm going to run out of battery um, overnight, so maybe you should charge me now." Yeah, yeah it, exactly. Good. Right, it knows, and and so yeah, make sure you're charged up before you go to sleep. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's it's. I I found I use it's just an Amazon clone because it's it costs eight dollars instead of. Uh, you, you know, like 50 from Apple, but it's the solo loop watch band. So there's no like buckle or anything on my watch. So I just put it on and it's just a cloth, you know, it's the stretchy cloth band that you just put on. And that's what I wear on my Apple watch when I sleep. And it really doesn't bother me at all to have that, to have that on my wrist. It breathes well. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes to the, um, the solo loop clone, uh, because it's they're great like it works you know you just you just yeah, gotta hate, size yourself but then it's all good i hate to hate to do it to apple but yeah buy buy your watch bands somewhere else oh yeah A- amazon and etsy and all those places because they are much much cheaper and I'm, um i have a real we have like one real solo loop band or whatever it was and i think solo loops yeah. the right name if it's the wrong name yeah. i'm talking about the stretchy cloth one that you buy to the size of your wrist and, and, uh, and that's that. Yeah. Pete's got one on if you're watching the video. So whatever that is, I think it's the solo loop, but I, I might be wrong. Yeah. Um, and, and one other thing about the bands, the ultra is the same size band as the 44 or 45, the large 
non-ultra Good watch. To know. I thought it was a different band, but uh, it's the same. Smart of Apple. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, like we compared the 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 Apple shipped band with the, you know, Amazon one, so $40 versus $8 or something. We could <laughs> we couldn't like there was no telling the difference between them. If you put them in a bag and shook it up and took one out and you'd be like, "Yeah, I don't I have no idea which is which." So, I like they might even be made in the same factory as the Apple bands. Uh, would I bet not they are. it would not surprise me <laughs> yeah. that knowing how things work with those factories in in China, you know, you you hire them to to make a thing for you and they tool up the machinery and they say, "Okay, we're going to work 14 hours a day and make these things." But they really work 24 hours a day. It's that the other 10, they make them uh, and sell them out the back door. They are now your competition. That's correct. That's right. They, they are we now. We're going your... into business against you. Yes, that's right. It's just, and it's just like, it's just how it goes. That's yeah. every well, friend. Thank you for funding our tooling so we can compete against you. Correct. Yeah. Every friend that I have that like has a business, you know, that, and I won't mention brand names here, but lots of the sort of indie hardware manufacturers that, you know, tell this story to me over and over again, where it's like, Oh yeah, you know, we, yeah. we have our factory in China do this. And and then they also compete with us. And it's just, you just know that going in. It's like, okay, cool. He's like, yeah, it's, it's generally not a problem. Like we do our marketing. We, you know, we, we further our brand name and, and, uh, and it works out. All right. You know, it's like, yeah, okay, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, we got one quick tip left, John, despite all of our tangents here today. Yes. Uh, Jason has a quick tip. On iOS, if you need to select multiple items, say in files or photos, use two fingers and drag across the items and it will multi-select. Okay. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Uh, I uh, so Didn't know this, that. Uh, on the iPhone, if you need to select multiple items, like files or photos. Oh, yeah. You, you get into selection mode. Right, right, right. Where they have the little radio okay. buttons to select mm -hmm. a, a file and you could tap them all to select multiples or just swipe your finger and it'll do it. Uh, right. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I've stumbled across this accidentally. <laughs> yeah. One oh. time I'm like, what did I, what did I do to get the radio buttons? <laughs> hey, our sponsor collide has some big news. If you're an Okta user, they can get your entire fleet to 100% compliance. How do they do this? Well, if a device isn't compliant, the user can't log into your cloud apps until they fix the problem. It's that simple. Collide patches one of the major holes in Zero Trust architecture, device compliance. Without Collide, IT struggles to solve basic problems like keeping everyone's OS and browser up to date. Unsecured devices are logging into your company's apps because there's nothing there to stop them. Collide is the only device trust solution that enforces compliance as part of authentication, and it's built to work seamlessly with Okta. The moment Collide's agent detects a problem, it alerts the user and gives them instructions to fix it. If they don't fix the problem within a set time, they're blocked. Collide's method means fewer support tickets, less frustration, and most importantly, 100% fleet compliance. Visit collide.com slash MGG to learn more or book a demo. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash MGG. And our thanks to Collide for sponsoring this episode. You know, when someone is just exceptionally good at what they do, it could be a waiter, a chef, or a doctor, you know you're in good hands. It's like seeing a chef just take that sauce 
and put it perfectly on the plate in that perfect little swish. Have you ever tried to do that at home? It's impossible unless you've really been trained and practiced over and over and over again, right? You're confident in them when you see them do that. And when you find the right doctor, you can feel it. You feel heard and at ease. And on our sponsor, ZocDoc, finding the right doctor is seamless. The quality care you need is just a few taps away in the ZocDoc app. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, who take your insurance, and who are available when you need them and treat almost every condition under the sun. No more doctor roulette or scouring the internet for questionable reviews. With ZocDoc, you have a trusted guide to connect you to your favorite doctor that you haven't yet met. Millions of people use ZocDoc's free app to find and book a doctor in their neighborhood who is patient-reviewed and fits their needs and schedule just right. I've done this. It works great. It's fantastic, and they make it so easy. Go to ZocDoc.com slash MGG and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash M-G-G, ZocDoc.com slash M-G-G, and our thanks to ZocDoc for sponsoring this episode. And hey, well, I got you here. When the New Yorker magazine asked Mark Zuckerberg how he gets his news, he said the one news source he definitely follows is Tech Meme. For four years now, the Tech Meme Ride Home podcast has been Silicon Valley's favorite tech news source, and you need to check it out. The podcast has become so successful, in fact, that it launched a venture fund where the listeners to the show are the limited partners in the fund. The Tech Meme Ride Home is like TLDR as a service. It's not just the latest headlines from the world of tech. It's also the context around the latest news of the day. It's all the top stories, the top posts and tweets and conversations about those stories, as well as behind the scenes analysis. Guests who have come on to lend their expertise include Andreessen Horowitz's Chris Dixon and Bloomberg's Apple rumor king, Mark Gurman. The folks at TechMeme are online all day reading everything so that they can catch you up. So listen to the one podcast anyone who's anyone in Silicon Valley listens to every day. Search your podcast app now for Ride Home and subscribe to the Tech Meme Ride Home podcast. And our thanks to Tech Meme for doing this swap with us. All right, John, let's answer some questions, shall we? Why not? Wilco has a question. Um, for quite some time now, I have always dreaded to restart my Mac 2019 since it takes such a long time. It has a one terabyte SSD replacing the original Fusion drive, so that should not be a bottleneck. In order to figure out where things go wrong, I restarted in verbose mode and recorded the screen. First, it learned me that it indeed takes around six minutes to fully reboot. Uh, it showed all sort of checks some errors on the startup disk, starting in recovery mode and letting disk utility repair the errors failed. Disk utility was not able to fix them and suggested to back up and format the drive. Fine, I can do that, but there were similar disk errors some months ago. And coincidence or not, a day later, Carbon Copy Cloner started failing with read errors on system volumes data. Previous system, private, var, db, system stats. <laughs> Somewhere in um, there, yeah. Uh, since this has happened for the second time, my question is how to determine whether this is an actual SSD failing or uh, an APFS fluke. Um, 
Huh. Well, SSDs are usually very reliable, Dave. When they fail, I found they fail spectacularly. And yeah, it's it's like a, it's almost here. binary when when an SSD fails, right? Like it's it either works or it's dead. So, uh, I, yeah. Yeah. So it, if 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 you're getting any sort of errors from disutility, my hunch is that the drive is is shot. Um. And if a, ref- a reformatted reinstall didn't work, I'd say you need to get that fixed. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I don't know if it'd be worth replacing the SSD, having Apple do that. Um, <sighs> I, it, I, it, he wasn't clear as to what kind of Mac it was. Right, I'm guessing an iMac. If it's an if it's an iMac, then I would be tempted to just move it to you move the boot drive to an external. And and that that was my suggestion. Yeah. Um, so it's a 2019 machine, so that means it's Intel. I right. think. Right. Um, so yeah, you should be able to boot from an external drive. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Um. Yeah. I. I would. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I would try the external drive thing. This is not the way I've seen SSDs fail in the past. This is how I've seen spindle drives fail in the past, right? But SSDs generally not. Uh, generally, they tend to, like you said, just they just die and and with almost no warning. So, but but drive tech evolves, so. Like there's a world where this is how that SSD is failing, right? You know, that's 2019. It's three to four years old. Uh, You know, is there a, like, I I don't know. Like what's the, let us know feedback at MacGeekUp.com. Have you seen an SSD fail this way? Because we haven't yet, but it doesn't mean that this isn't how they now fail. Some of them anyway. Wait, you said feedback at MacGeekUp.com to let us know? I think he said feedback at MacGeekGap.com. Yeah, that's what I said. That's what I said. Yeah. All right. Uh, Jason has a, um, uh, it's actually a good question because it's, it's, uh, it's a lot. He says, based on discussions, it sounds like, Dave, you use Tailscale, private internet access VPN, and Synology VPN. Could you expand on the uses for each of these seemingly similar tools and why you might need all three or how you choose among them. Okay. So yes, I think I'm going to try my best. Uh, maybe what I need to do is do this whole wrap here and then feed the transcript into chat GPT and have it actually make it uh, concise understandable. and understandable, <laughs> but I'm going to try to do it live. So tail scale, the, the net result of using tail scale is friction free access to specific devices on my network, regardless of where I am. So that means I can access my Mac mini in the office the same way from my laptop when I'm sitting on my couch at home on the same network. And also when I'm sitting in a hotel room in Las Vegas on a, obviously a completely different network and or Paris that, or Paris, right? It doesn't matter where in the world I am. I get the same access to those devices. It's as though 
they're we're all on a local network together in terms of just how seamless it is to connect to these things. Tailscale only works on specific devices. You install it. It doesn't install on your network. You install it on specific devices. So I have it on my on my uh, laptop. I have it on my iPhone, not to access my iPhone, but so my iPhone can access other things. I have it on my Macs in the office in the studio, and I have it on my network storage devices, my my Synology disk stations and the one QNAP that I run. So I can access all the resources on those devices just like I'm local without having to do anything. It's just sort of running all the time and it's it's good to go. So that's what that's used for. Synology VPN is uh, a VPN server running on a device on my network. You could run it on a disk station. I run a Synology router. The, the, the VPN implementation on their router is much better than the one on their disk station. I don't know why that is, but it has a whole lot more options. And so Synology VPN, I run on my router. That gives me access to my entire network from remote. So if I am traveling and I need to access, say, a printer or some other device that is not able to have Tailscale installed on it, I can just join my network here at home and have access to everything like I'm on the network here at home. Whereas Tailscale creates a second parallel local network of just specific devices, the Synology VPN is a traditional VPN. It just lets me into the network. And so I can access anything. The one nice thing about the Synology VPN for is, is well, I use it generally to access, as I said, my, my local network. It can be used to relay my connection to the outside world. So I could be in Las Vegas VPN into my uh, Synology VPN and then go out to the internet from there. And it would be as though I'm coming from New Hampshire. Great. Uh, where that has been super handy when traveling is when my family was in China and China blocks most VPNs, any VPN that they know about, or at least they did, you know, when this happened five or six years ago, I'm assuming it's the same, but obviously I have, I'm not there. I can't test, but I have my Synology VPN set up on port 443 of my home internet connection. So it's not part of an IP block that is reserved for a known VPN provider. And it's also not answering on a known VPN port. In fact, it's answering on the port that all secure web connections go over. And if an internet provider or even a Wi-Fi network blocks access to port 443, no one will be able to do anything on the web from their location. So they have to leave that hole open. And that's the hole that sits at my house answering as a VPN server. It's a non-standard port for it, but it works very well. And my family was able to be on a VPN when they were in China and, and do whatever they wanted. So that's what I use that for. Private Internet Access VPN. This is sort of my default VPN when wanting to obscure my my data or connection, be it at home or remote uh, at home. If I'm downloading something that I won't, don't want to get yelled at about by my ISP PIA VPN is the answer. For example, transmission on my disk station always runs VPN. Listen, I'm not proud, but it's just how it runs. Uh, it's also on my MacBook air, my iPhone and my iPad for when I'm out and about and I just need a VPN. Uh, it is more reliable at maintaining a connection than the Synology VPN apps for Mac and iPhone are. So, uh, 
I create a VPN connection. If I'm on the Synology VPN and something changes about my local connection, I sometimes will find that I've just dropped off the Synology VPN and I have to manually go reconnect it with PIA. They have a more robust app. Uh, and so it just, if it, if it notices that it disconnects, it just reconnects you. And so that's the main reason I like PIA VPN is it's just so robust. It will just, you know, it will, it will be relentless at staying connected, which is kind of the key. If you're really looking to have privacy, uh, you know, when you're out and about. So that, that's why I like that one. Hopefully that makes sense. And why, how I do what they each are useful for, for me and how I differentiate. I hope. Pete, I think. My my comment is the tail scale. Uh, the best word you had in there was frictionless. Once you've installed tail scale, I I do that and then I put it in the sidebar and I use my NAS drive as if if I'm at home. Yeah, and none of the and, and I'll tell you right now I've ha- I've had more issues with the Synology VPN. Every now and then I manage to goon it up and I'm in one of those periods in my life right now where I've, I've gooned that to the point and trying to get it to reconnect and work has been problematic at best. So yep. I may actually need some, some geek help with that, Dave. <laughs> I got you. I got you, Pete. <laughs> yeah. And then the PIA is great because uh, now some of them have started blocking this, I've heard, but I'm able to watch out-of-market games by oh. saying, hey, PIA, put me in Los Angeles. Yeah. Well, you know, that sort of thing. Well, oh, I, like you know. if if I'm trying to run Fubo from, which is the, the thing I use for TV, yeah. if I run that on my iPad, uh, regardless of whether I'm connected to PIA or to my Synology VPN. GPS probably reports your location. Correct. Closes. Fubo gets yeah. my location from the iPad, which knows actually where I am. It doesn't just use the IP oh. address. And it's like, yeah, you're out of market. You don't get to watch this game. So, so someone needs to write an app to send false information to your GPS oh, to say, Hey, luck, I'm there. Well, well, you know, I'm just saying, <laughs> yeah, hey, send but, these coordinates to my GPS receiver. <laughs> right. Right. No matter where I am, you know, but then yeah, you have to remember you're, to turn it off or else you're navigating with bad gouge. Yeah. But it's not just <laughs> GPS because your iPad yeah. certainly, it, yeah. you know, can do that, it but it also everything cellular, right? Well, it knows your local IP address. It obscures that from the outside world, but your iPad itself still knows that information and location services uses that. So while a third party can't see that information, it can tap into the API that Apple provides that gives it that result of, of this. Now, Mark M in our discord uh, chat at MacGeekab.com slash discord says Android has this app already. So maybe the answer is to travel and watch out of market games get a device that's far less locked down than an Apple device. Now I still would want to have most of my important stuff on the device that is locked down, <laughs> but <laughs> for the purpose of, of uh, bypassing some security. Uh, yeah. Android's probably a lot better at that. Yeah. 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 Um, Kiwi Graham asked, do devices on your tail scale show up via Bonjour in the finder sidebar? And I think the answer is no. However, I do use TailScale's magic DNS. And what that means is I get to assign names to my de- devices. So my QNAP distation or my QNAP NAS is called QNAP. My mini in the office is called mini office. It's not very creative, but it's something I can remember. And all I have to do is type that name into either the finder. If I want to connect to a file server or, uh, you know, the Safari URL bar 
to connect to a resource on my disk station because I run a ton of apps on my disk station. And in fact, all of my bookmarks for those web apps on my disk station are set to disk station colon and the port number they answer on. And that way, it doesn't matter whether I'm at home or remote. I go to the same bookmark and I'm there as long as I'm connected to Tailscale, which I always am. So. And Tailscale is so easy, even I can use it. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm serious about that. No, you know? it, you're so right. If, you, if you've got a laptop and a home computer that you leave on and an iPhone or an iPad, trust me, grab Tailscale, download it, install it on these devices – and you will be astounded. You can go to the app and it copy. You click on the name of your device. As my devices, click on the name of your device. It copies the IP address. Then you go into Finder and you hit Connect and you throw that IP address in there. And it comes up and goes, "Hey, these are all the folders you can yeah. connect to." And that's and, the hard way. Like what you just described yeah. is literally the hard way. You could do it yeah. with Magic DNS as well and, yeah. and make it even easier. So, yeah, no, it is so easy. Even Pete can use it. There you go. It's so easy. Even Pete can use it. I think we know what the uh, oh. title of the show is. There you go. Pilot Pete. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should put Pilot Pete in there just to, so as yeah. to not offend yeah. anyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sure. Um, I, I will say this. You could. Now, Tailscale is free for a single user, a single login. If you wanted to have your family members join your Tailscale or other people at your company join your Tailscale, that's where their freemium model becomes a paid model, right? But um, it's free for up to like 50 devices or something. I don't I don't even use it with 10 devices, folks, and I'm a nerd. So like, you're going to be fine. Uh, but if you really wanted to do it the hard way, you don't have to use Tailscale. You could set up your own WireGuard uh, system. WireGuard, I'll say VPN in with air quotes because... What Tailscale is doing is WireGuard. They've just made it super easy uh, and given it a front end that you don't have to know how to set up WireGuard and all of that stuff. They run the server, all of that good stuff. But you could set up your own WireGuard server if you if you were so if you wanted to to go through the headache of rolling it yourself and and having more options and all that. But that that's yeah. the the underlying tech. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, more questions, John. <laughs> Um, all right. I think we got a question here. All right. From Todd. Um, <clears throat> my wife has an M2 Mac mini with Bluetooth, Apple magic keyboard with touch ID and numeric keypad and a magic mouse. Everything works fine, but I just noticed that on reboot, uh, neither the keyboard nor the mouse work at the login screen. I have to plug the USB cable into the Mac mini and keyboard to enter the password. I have Google, but cannot find how to ensure the Mac has Bluetooth available at startup. I have updated to the very list Ventura app and have tried pseudo pkill Bluetooth D. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> um, same result. No Bluetooth access at the login screen. Appreciate any insight. And then we got a follow-up saying, so I solved my own problem. The solution was patience. Turns out if you wait 20 seconds or so after the Mac Mini reboots, the Bluetooth keyboard and mouse connect. Huh. And I think he solved his own problem. So I did find. Well, did he solve it or did he just find the the, the workaround? Like, because to me, patience is a workaround. It shouldn't have to wait that long. Right. Right. Um, so I found an article. If you can't connect your magic keyboard, magic 
mouse or magic trackpad to your Mac. Okay, well, that sounds like a yeah. good place to start troubleshooting. Yes. Um, and they suggest a bunch of things, which is why I think he may have solved this problem. Okay. Maybe, maybe not. But no, so, the, so the, the advice that they have in the article is turn the device off and on. <laughs> okay. Yeah, fair. Uh, I think he's done that. Uh, make sure Bluetooth is on. <laughs> okay. I think it is. Then they say connect the lightning cable, which I think pairs the device. So that's why I'm wondering if if he may have solved the problem um, by doing that. Um, no, he said then, he did that because he said he connected mm-hmm. the USB yeah. cable to it. And that was the only way that he would he could get it to work. Mm-hmm. But but instead, he found that patience was the answer. So I, I don't I don't think I mean, certainly doing that to make sure the device is paired with the Mac is smart, but it doesn't mm-hmm. sound like that solved this problem because he had to do it every time. Yeah. Now, the fourth article they have, the fourth item they have in this article, which I think may be the problem, is check for wireless interference. Oh. So I'm wondering if he's in a bad spot and the devices are just fighting very hard to... um to connect via Bluetooth. I mean, I've never had. Does he have a USB three hard drive nearby? Uh, I, 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 you know, I, I was thinking that. Right. If, I, I mean, USB I know. USB three devices can interfere with Bluetooth. Well, they interfere with 2.4 gigahertz, right? Um, and, and that's where Bluetooth runs. Mm. So uh, like that would be the. Uh, that would that would be something to think about um is mm-hmm. in and and it can be as simple as just reorienting where that drive is in relation to your mac uh because if it's near the antenna on your mac then it, it, it you might be creating a scenario where there's enough interference that exactly this problem happens so huh yeah oh yeah yeah oh interesting it's weird that patience solves it. I mean, I know patience solves a lot of problems. Listen, I, I get, I get mm-hmm. these folks. I, I get, no wonder I have so many problems. Yeah, I mean, same. <laughs> like, I, I get it, you know, but uh, it, it, yeah, my, my therapist tells me I need to apply more patience to things. And, and I tell him I don't have time for that. Uh, but, bingo. <laughs> bingo. Right. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah, I would check the hard drive thing because then then you don't then you get to avoid the patience answer. We don't like no stinking patience here. We want to get the answer and we want the answer now. That's why so many of you listen to this show at one and a half speed. So. All right. Mike has a uh, tip for us. It's really the, the byproduct of a lot of things. Um, he. Two things here. So Mike found that uh, putting shortcuts on his watch can be really handy in certain scenarios. And for example, he built one shortcut that displays an image of uh, the QR code that he needs to uh, scan every time he gets to the gym, right? Uh, So that when he gets to the gym, he just shows him this QR code on his watch. He doesn't have to pull out his phone or his wallet or anything. They scan it. They're like, hey, you're Mike. You still, you paid for your gym membership. And so- Welcome. Right. And then that's that. And that's cool. 
Don't get me wrong. Like th- that in and of itself is a great idea. I love it. What he's also found is uh, he adds the shortcut to his watch face as a complication. So it's even easier to launch, but he doesn't want that shortcut on his watch face all the time. So he now has a separate watch face that he uses uh, via a focus mode when he's at the gym. And when that watch face is up, that has this complication on it, but the watch face he uses the rest of the time does not. And so as he explained this to me, it was like the light bulb went off like, Oh wow. Using focus mode based watch faces with complications that are unique to the thing that you will be doing uh, with that focus mode really helps mitigate the issue of, okay, well I can only put, you know, somewhere between three and six complications on my Apple watch face. Uh, You know, there's like 12 that I want. And so how do I make Sophie's choice here? Right. And, and now doing it with the different watch faces solves that problem. So. I, I I just wanted to share his thought process on this because I think we can all, you know, this is, I, I love to get these things in, into my head and percolate. And now I get to put them into your head and percolate at one and a half speed because you're impatient <laughs> like me. So listen faster, listen faster. That's right. Absorb faster. So if only we could uh, do that with our workouts and make a, you know, 30 minute workout happen in five minutes. Because we're impatient. Time is the There's one. There's an app for that. <laughs> is there an app for that, Pete? Because if there is, we're going to jump right to cool stuff found, and you're going to tell us about it. <laughs> well, there's there's seven. What is it? Seven minutes? Got seven minutes. That's an app. Oh. Seven minutes a day workout. Is that right? Yeah. Huh. See? Yeah. There is an app for that. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's seven. It's called. It's just called seven. Seven minute okay. workout on the app store. Huh. See? This is what I love about doing this yeah. show is I get, It'll get to your learn heart going. Yeah. all these do, things. Right. And if you can't do seven minutes, huh. well, you're just not trying. Sorry. Huh. <laughs> Maybe talking about watch complications on the next um, Mac Geek Gab hangout that we do, which is coming up oh. like sometime in April, Sunday okay. in April yeah. kind of thing. I don't know. There was a, there, there was a, a suggestion to talk about AI and I, certainly, I think that's also valuable, just sharing all our tips on that. Uh, but yeah, join our Discord chat at MacGeekUp.com slash Discord and share your votes for, or share your ideas. Uh, maybe we'll put it to a vote, but probably not. We'll just sort of go with the the consensus, ruling out things that might not be great for a group discussion kind of thing. But, but you know, um, I like the idea of sharing watch complications because that's one of those things where... If you looked over my shoulder, you know, using air quotes and saw how I used my watch, you invariably you'd go, oh, I never thought of that. And conversely, I would look over your shoulder and go, I never thought of that. Just like I just did with Mike's. Right. So like all of us sharing those tips, there's there's a value to the, the brain trust. And those are the kind of conversations I really like to have in our our Hopefully monthly Mac Geek Gab hangouts. And I still, every time I say that, I feel this pang of like guilt and regret. And I really don't feel guilt and regret much in my life. But the fact that we were not doing these hangouts during COVID lockdowns is my fault. And I'm sorry. (laughs) Don't don't do it again, Dave. Next (sighs) pandemic. (laughs) (sighs) 
Okay, Pete. Okay. Okay. Sorry, dude. <laughs> yeah. Now I need the meditation app on my watch. There you go. Right on. <laughs> Gotta go watch Headspace. I'll be back in three minutes. Yeah. Mm. yeah. yeah. Wow. Actually, John was leaning back while you were talking about that, and I think his had the stand up now. Did it, John? On your watch? No. Time for you to stand? No, it was it, something else. It would oh, have been. Okay. I mean, it would have been, but given the, the, the time oh, while we're yeah, recording. Yeah, it does say that. See? Ah, see? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's just keep going with the questions here. We'll we'll do more cool stuff found. We'll, we'll do, well, I guess technically seven was a cool stuff found, but I love well, I love those know. sort of yeah. surprise things. We'll just keep going with the questions here. We'll do cool stuff found next week. It's fine. We're going to, so there it is. We're doing episode 977. It's the show's not ending with 976. For those of you who were curious, nope, not ending yet. We're not dead yet. Uh, <laughs> Jerry has the next, uh, the next question for us. And he says, uh, I, I know this may sound like a dumb question. No, 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 no. There's no dumb questions. But I'm wondering, uh, as I still have a physical SIM card in my iPhone, can I, what's the difference of a physical SIM versus an eSIM? And are there complications or is there benefits to one or the other? And in general, the answer is no. Um, your, your phone will work the same with a physical SIM versus an eSIM. There are arguments as to, you know, why an eSIM might be better or even worse. If you're bouncing between two phones all the time, uh, a physical SIM is going to be way, way better for you. Otherwise, if you've just got the one phone, an eSIM is probably better because it's it's simpler. If you lose your phone, you don't have to worry about getting another physical SIM. You just stick with the eSIM on a new phone and you're done. The only thing that I've heard about the quality of eSIM versus physical SIM is related to the fact that physical SIMs can become outdated. So if you're getting a new SIM every year or something because you're getting a new phone every year, you're probably not going to run into this. But if you've been migrating the same physical SIM forward for four, five, six years uh, from iPhone to iPhone and and still have that same one that you started with years ago, you might be missing out on new features. I know, uh, for example, that when 5G uh, came, was added to, you know, the mix of things that we can get from our mobile providers that needed to be enabled in the SIM. And there were some of us that did not have the 5G capability in our SIM and had to go get new physical SIMs because physical SIMs, for whatever reason, seem not to be able to be like remote slash firmware upgradable. You just had to get a new one. Whereas an eSIM, absolutely upgradable, and it sort of follows the the tech in your phone. I think even years before that, uh, enabling Wi-Fi calling was another thing that needed to be added to the SIM. So that would be the only argument uh it, it, you know, the, if all else is equal, here's why you might want to go with an eSIM. It just sort of takes that headache away of even needing to think about that because the capabilities of your phone are, uh, you know, are, mm -hmm. are going to be the limiting factor. Uh, and that's not something you can change <clears throat> well, without buying a new phone. Yeah. When I got my, uh, iPhone 12, um, as soon as I started it up and put the SIM in, the phone was like, um, Dude, I can't do 5G. You got to go to the Verizon store and get a new SIM. <laughs> so. That makes sense. I understand that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go back to my admonition, which is don't get old. It's bad for your memory. Um, 
there was some reason. I was going to upgrade mine to an eSIM, and I cannot remember what it was. There was some limitation. I went, oh, I'm glad I didn't do it. Now hmm. I don't remember what it is. So, but If, uh, if, you, if know, you remember that, like shoot us a know. note. And and we'll put Absolutely. it in the agenda because I, because it, or if you folks know again feedback at macgeekup dot com like we we really do want to know or share in Discord or whatever. Um, I don't know so. if it had to do with international travel or right. what, but right, um, yeah. Anyway, the uh, but the other thing on that to, thinking of Sims and all that, uh, Dave, did you see this week that Mint Mobile upped their data plan? I did for the second yeah. time since I've been with them. By the way, nice. Okay, yeah, First time this for is, me, but yeah, unlimited goes to the unlimited for the same price, but everything else gets bumped up. Yeah. And they did bump, they did bump my tethered data from five to 10 gig. Right. For unlimited so. people, tethered data goes from five to 10. And also your, your data, your, your sort of soft data cap for unlimited goes from 35 to 40. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, yeah, they, they bumped, they did this a couple of years ago too, after I had started with them. I, I think I was on like an eight gig a month plan and they bumped it up to 10 and now they bumped the 10 to uh, 15. So yeah, but yes, that's, that's always nice to see. So, yeah. yep. 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 Indeed. Um, we didn't talk about this when we were in the agenda, going through the agenda, or maybe we did, are we, are we uh, Pete, do you want to share the Axel's issue uh, with... Uh, yeah, I can do that. Right, Let great. me uh, pull that up. He's uh, So Axel wrote and said, I've been having an issue with my Mac uh, 2020, iMac 27 for the last few months. As I scroll down the web pages in Safari and I click on an article, it takes me right back to the top of the page and I have to click on the link a second time and it takes me there. This happens using a trackpad or a Logitech MX Master 3S for Mac. And uh, since I tried changing the settings, deleting, reinstalling, but nothing stops this behavior, and I'm not sure exactly uh, when I noticed this, but it would say it started approximately last September or October. I'm running Ventura 13.2.1. Um, and I, I tried my Google Foo, and I couldn't find anything specifically on this. Uh, I saw some people had the same problem, but uh, that to me says, hey, go through these troubleshooting tips that have already worked uh, previously in the show. I forget the gent's name who wrote in, but started in the safe mode and it worked. So suggest restarting in the safe mode. Clears cache files and only loads Apple software extensions and fonts. The boot up will be slow and it'll take some time. That's normal. Um, but then I say, does that issue present in the safe mode? You know, if not, there could be something in the main user account. Yeah. Uh, acting up, you know. Um, and to further isolate this, uh, set up users, guests, and groups on a Mac. I have a specific m account on my machine uh, that I call a shooter. Okay. That, that's for troubleshooter. No, I'm not going yep. postal on anyone uh, with apologies to our post office workers. <laughs> then I log out of the main user account, log into the dummy account, and test it again and see if the issue persists. If it does in the dummy account, then it's a system-wide issue, right? The whole thing has to be, you know, nuked and pave, I guess. For, right. Uh, you know, and then finally try, uh, I'd say try running Onyx and going through the maintenance uh, and utilities there. Um, so that's, so Pete, that's will, will you do me a favor? You, you, yeah. you, uh, you, you dove into that quickly. Uh, describe the symptom one more time for us all. Okay. So he, yeah. So he said he would, he would scroll down to the bottom of a page Okay. In, in Safari, and he'd click on an article. But instead of taking it to the article, it took him back to the top of the page. Oh. 
Yeah. So, and you this know, was and, happening but, on different websites. This wasn't just like yes. the way one website was coded terribly right. or it something. It was happening on Safari, but on different websites is the way I read it. And he, he doesn't specifically say this happens on multiple different websites, but yeah, 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 he's yeah. having it. He's going down to the bottom, you know, clicking on a link. And instead of getting his clickbait article, he's getting taken back to the top of the page right. instead of being taken to the article. Right. Um, sorry, that was a little pejorative. And I, <laughs> I don't know. It's fine. You know, yeah, but you know, there's there's it's clickbait for a reason, right? It, it sucks you in, yes, and you, sucks you, you in. go and you click on it, and yeah, yeah. Uh, but instead of getting his article that he wants, he has to go to the top of the page, scroll back down, and then get to it. So it's like, ah. Oh. All right, John, I hear you huffing and puffing over there. What are you? What are you? What's what's cogitating in that that that, that genius brain of yours? Get it, John. So, um, update the Logitech software. Ooh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> If there is yeah. an update, yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. Um, well, he says the track. I, I've had issues. Yeah, so I'm I'm pretty much well. No, actually, no. So I got a Logitech keyboard and a Kensington device, and they both have their own drivers. So maybe one of the drivers needs to be updated. <sighs> yeah, yeah. I would also look at like, does this happen in multiple browsers? Is ah, this is this a Safari problem? Because if it's not a Safari problem, or if it is, if it's unique to Safari, it could be one of those Safari extensions that uh, that has you know that like that that's a a, a an attack vector. I don't want to call it a virus vector, yeah. but 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 it's sort of you know using a malware vector, right? Uh, is is that is installing extensions into safari and that could be intercepting things and maybe taking clicks that you do and and you know morphing them in some way that i don't know but I, like yeah. i would kiwi I, graham suggests that it may be an ad block issue with oh right right you know, so you know turn that off if you've got it on i like it uh, but there's another safe, thing the safe modal shit set bring that to light too it's yeah. gonna work not happen safe mode. yeah yeah sorry yeah. john walked on you now, another thing you may want to try is um, in Safari, there's a develop menu. So I think you have to go somewhere else to, to enable it. I don't think it's enabled by default, but the develop menu has user agent. And you can change what browser you appear to yes. be. I think you have um, to set that up in develop in Safari settings. Yeah, it's you go into Safari settings advanced and at the bottom there's a check mark checkbox for show develop menu and menu bar and and then you <laughs> get it. that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so maybe you know t try to look like a different browser um or as you said just try another browser. <laughs> well, and and it, I I would also I it, deeper in that develop menu you can disable all kinds of things including javascript mm. extensions site specific hacks and so i would oh, i would experiment that. with disabling some of those and see does does that fix the problem because at least then it gives you a path down which to to sniff a little more yeah and i would ask axel if you find the answer yeah. amongst what we've given you uh, please tell us what what solved it yeah let us know We'd yeah. love to know because I know yeah. there's other people with a similar question. And I know this question came in when um, Mac OS 13.2.1 was yeah. current. Now it's Mac OS 13.3, which did solve a lot of things for people. Um, 
It also <laughs> changed some things <laughs> for other people. Uh, so it may have solved Axel's problem, but Grumpy in Discord points out uh, that 13.3 breaks home folders that are on external drives. You have to disable SIP in order system integrity protection in order for macOS 13.3 to see your home folder if it's not uh, in its default location on the built-in you know, boot drive. So enjoy that. Uh, thanks, Apple. Right. I, I, I'm really thinking about going back to Monterey on my mm. on my studio machine here. Well, I mean, it's just it's ridiculous how terrible core audio is on that 13. has been. Yeah, that that has been a battle for months now, Dave. Oh, it, ever since I upgraded. Yeah, it it yeah. The, the problem is rolling back is going to be a chore. Um, yeah, but I, it's probably worth it. Um, so I, I might just do it. Of course, I know that the day that I do it is the day that I'm going to hear back from Apple, uh, with, a, an answer of something to try to fix this. Cause I submitted a, a support ticket with Apple. You know, I, I used the, the developer feedback assistant and through my developer account and, and sent that in and they asked for a couple of things. They haven't come back to me with anything yet, but, um, but it's been going on months now and they occasionally are like, well, can you replicate this all the time like yep 100 percent of the time on intel on m1 you know like it's it's a ventura thing it's not a thing with this particular computer that dave has frankensteined into a studio monster right um yeah so i do like the shared focus modes that that's the one thing that i really like about having ventura is you know if i change a focus mode uh it, it changes everywhere and that's super handy for podcasting but listen, I can do that manually. I have a pre-flight checklist I go through before I do the show. And if that's all I have to do manually to avoid, how many times did I have to restart Chrome today before we started the show to get rid of the audio crackling and all that yeah. crap? And Yeah, true. And while we're recording, I have to hold my mouth just right so that audio doesn't like try to reset itself. And I, I need to be really careful with what I do. Otherwise audio resets itself. Let, so. let me advocate for focus as well. While we're here, sure. people go, go spend a half an hour to 45 minutes of learning about focus, understanding what it can do and what it can and will do for you. If you are sick of getting calls about your car warranty expiring, uh, all those things, you can get 98% of that fixed with focus. Yep. Or actually a hundred percent. Now you're going to accidentally crank out some other people, but yep. I like, I have a personal mode and yep. only people on my contact list can get through yep. when I'm in personal focus, which is where my machine is when I'm not in podcasting or do not disturb. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Oh. Right. Yeah. No, it's focus modes are, I, I, I love them. And that's why Brilliant. I was so eager to move up to Ventura. Uh, once the drivers came out for my audio device and no, it's not my audio device. Cause it happens with built-in audio, and no separate audio devices on my M1 Mini, but yeah. um, that was my you first thought. Set, you know, yeah. yeah, you could set cool things. Like I, yeah. I do my other show in Zoom. This is in StreamYard. When those go, my focus modes automatically go into podcasting. Well, that's and nobody can get through but you and John. That's it. No, it's great. Yeah, I, yeah, I know yeah. it's great. Yeah. All right, um, we are running later than we normally do with our seventy-five minute target, but John. Uh, we've had this held over for a couple of episodes. Will you share what we learned about virtualizing um, Mac OS on Apple Silicon Macs 
from many listeners. I think Doug, Bruce, and Thomas. So thanks to everybody who wrote in about this. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's see. All right, so from Doug, um, just listening to your latest episode, I didn't use the H word where you were answering user questions. One came up about rolling back Ventura to Monterey for an incompatible app. I've been a Parallels desktop user for years. They have released an update that can indeed create a virtual Monterey OS on a Silicon Mac that is running Monterey later. Here's a direct link to the Parallels page. Um, there is This is a step-by-step, and it is fairly specific, but it should meet the original listener's needs if he would rather not roll back his entire machine for any number of legacy apps. Uh, I do this all the time with some 32-bit apps on the latest Intel Mac running two or three Mojave virtual machines when necessary. Cool? So, the the answer is yes, you can virtualize Mm -hmm. uh, Mac OS on Apple Silicon. The one caveat that was pointed out uh, by uh, Robster, I believe in our discord chat about this is that you cannot create a Monterey virtual machine on a Ventura Mac. You, uh, you have to create, you can only create a virtual machine of the OS that you're currently running. So if you're still running Monterey, create a vanilla virtual machine of Monterey and stash that away somewhere so that anytime you need it, you can duplicate it and then mess with it and still retain that pristine one. And there might be somebody in our discord chat that would love to have your pristine Monterey image. If you are so inclined to share. (laughs) Um, So there you go. I'll put a link to the discord thing in there, but yeah, thank you for, for ferreting all that out, John. That's, that's good to know. Want a copy of that. It's actually not me. I don't, I don't oh, oh, okay. no, it, no, I wasn't, it wasn't a asking for a friend thing. It was literally asking for a friend. Um, okay. Yeah, no, I, it, I saw somebody in there that was looking for it, but no, for me, I, I'd, I'd want Monterey running like natively on this. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it the right way. Well, yeah, that's what was my, the question I was going to ask you was, are, are, are you still going to run into core audio problems yes. if you virtualize another machine? It's I, probably. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to ask that question. I just want to. If I'm going to do it, the only thing I do on this machine is podcasting and audio recording, and this messes with both of those things. So it's yeah. like I just need to roll back. It's just how it's going to be. Maybe I'll do it tomorrow. I have. Uh, I have a free day that was created by Pilot Pete. Um, moving MacGeekab up a day in our recording schedule, so so Happy maybe Monday, Thursday, everyone. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So maybe maybe tomorrow is the day after I after I get the show published and happy. Maybe tomorrow's the day to do that. But yeah, thanks for hanging out with us, folks. This has been uh, informative. I learned at least my five new things. I mean, I learned five more than five new things just preparing the agenda for the show. And then we did the show, and I learned about even more, and I learned about how I'm probably going to do a seven-minute workout every day, because why wouldn't I? So, Although, I will say that when I go play my drums right behind me, as long as core audio is, is behaving, uh, that gets my heart rate up, too. So, like, that's, you know. Yeah. All right. Thanks to Cashfly for providing all the bandwidth that uh, gets the show from us to you. 
Make sure to check out all the podcasts that we do. Pilot Pete's So There I Was, My Business Brain for Entrepreneurs, Gig Gab for Working Musicians. Go check them out. Links are in the show notes. Of course, go buy some Mac Geek Gab merch and then tell us what's missing from the merch store. Join our Discord chat. But first, go to MacGeekGab.com slash merch and, uh, and find our stuff because there's some cool stuff there. Pete's wearing one of the shirts right now. In fact... Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for checking out our sponsors. Collide.com slash MGG. ZocDoc.com slash MGG. You can learn about all our sponsors and all their deals at MacGeekUp.com slash sponsors. So the back of the shirt that you're wearing, Pete, has the MacGeekGab logo on it. Um, what's the front say? What's the, what's that say? Uh, it, it isn't even mirrored, so I can read it. Just... <laughs> Don't get caught. Made on That's some good advice right there. Later.